0: I don't look like the stereotypical Webster's Dictionary police officer, but I want to make a difference. I want to help bring people justice that have been victimized. I want to help find the truth. Or, hey, you know what? I just want to go and help people on the worst day of their life.
1: listening to the Black & Blue Podcast, a discussion and celebration of the roles of African Americans and other minorities in U.S. law enforcement. Your host on the Black & Blue Podcast is Dale Peters, a law enforcement professional with over 20 years' experience in the business. Hop on board this Black & Blue train of interviews, current events, and pop culture conversations. So get ready. The Black & Blue Podcast is coming at you right now. Hey, Square Pegs! What's going on? Welcome to the, another fun-filled and fact-filled edition of the Black and Blue podcast, where we celebrate diversity in U.S. law enforcement. If this is your first time here, let me introduce myself. My name is Dale, and I'm the host of this little show I call Black and Blue. And if you're a returning viewer or listener, thank you for finding your way back here. I truly appreciate the support. Please continue to support by clicking those like, subscribe, and bell icons right down here on my YouTube channel. And if you're listening to me on your favorite podcast platform of choice, please rate the black and blue podcast, five stars. And lastly, check out the black and blue podcast, social media pages for even more content. You can find me everywhere at black and blue us. All right. So with that said, let's welcome today's guest. He is a 24 year veteran of the Stockton police department all the way up there in Northern California. (laughs) square pegs let's give a warm black and blue welcome to captain antonio sager how you doing
0: very good thank you for inviting me on the show i'm glad to be here
1: absolutely absolutely how's things going up there in stockton california like i introduced you with
0: you know normally i introduce us to no sunny stockton california Uh, but we've had some rain we're raining down here (laughs) Oh, it's it's been uh, we've been having that atmospheric river and it's been coming down on us in a way I haven't seen since I was a kid up here. So it hasn't been too sunny, but no, it's it's moving pretty good. Getting through the holidays, getting to hit this new year. See if we could uh, see if we make 2022 uh, move on and be better than uh, 21 and 20.
1: Yes, yes. We'll definitely talk about uh, 2020 because 2020 was a major and uh, 2021 was a little bit better. But, you know, we're getting through it. And 2022, like you said, hopefully we can make that a whole lot better than the the past two years were. So uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I mentioned that you are a captain with the Stockton, California Police Department. Before we get a little bit into you, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about Stockton, where it's located, the demographics of it? (laughs)
0: Sure. Stockton, California is here in the Northern Valley. So we're situated about 40 miles south of Sacramento and about, I don't know, 50 miles due east of San Francisco, right between Interstate 5 and 99. Uh, We're about 64 square miles. We're authorized for 485 sworn. And we are a very diverse community. Uh, We, Stockton was started, started out in the 1850s with the gold rush it was one of those towns people came for supplies very agrarian and then we've grown into a small municipality and we have a lot of great people here with a lot of great culture uh, and uh, a lot of loving people that really appreciate just being here
1: yeah stockton's grown a lot i remember back in the day at least back in the 90s um I had heard about Stockton because I love the Bay. I love going up to San Francisco and mm-hmm. all that. And then when I would hear about people living in Stockton and yeah, I went out there once and I wasn't, I wasn't too impressed with it back in the nineties, but it's grown a lot. I've got a daughter who's uh, just about to graduate high school. So she's done some college mm-hmm. trips and she went up there to uh university Pacific and she really yes. liked that school. She said it's really pretty up there.
0: Yes. Pacific is a great uh, university. It's right here in central Stockton. A lot of people don't know that the, uh, one of the scenes from the original Indiana Jones film. there. Uh, it's got oh, to be a really? pharmacy school. But you're right, in the 90s, Stockton hadn't grown a lot. We had a lot of exponential growth growth in the late 90s, early 2000s with the housing boom. Uh, we grew on all four corners. We had a lot of infill growth and uh, started recreating our identity as a bigger city. And, um, of course, with a lot of growth, you start having different problems. You have different... Uh, Different people who have never lived in the city, so we did have a great influx of people from the berry come to Stockton, people from the Los Angeles area come up here because mm. they were finding an inexpensive home up here and bringing their family up here to to try and find a better life. Right, and you know it's funny, a lot of those people came up here for that, and there was a clash initially, and they became Stocktonians, <laughs> and yeah. they found no, and they 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 found the way into uh, into the Stockton culture and sent their kids to school here, and, and became Prostocktonians. But yeah, uh, I grew up here in Stockton. I was born in French Camp, which is the county hospital just south of here. Uh, most people that were born at in French Camp at the county hospital will say, I was born in Stockton. No, you're actually really born in French Camp. And my mom corrects me all the time. She says, no, you were born in French Camp. You were raised in Stockton.
1: You were raised in Stockton. So okay.
0: I was raised in Stockton. I went to Stockton Public Schools, and uh, I was very fortunate uh, when I got out of college that Stockton was the first agency to offer me a position. And to be able to come home and work here, be around my family, be around the community I grew up in, was an amazing opportunity and I've been here ever since.
1: All right, yeah, I was gonna ask you that and you, and you, you answered that question preemptively. Uh, you've been with Sorry. Stockton the whole time. All right, good deal, good deal. Love that, love that. Yeah, man, cause we talked a little bit about uh, me off air that I'm a DJ off, off uh, duty. As it were, Mm -hmm. and uh, so I'm a a big hip hop fan. And uh, back in the '90s, Stockton uh, was—you would hear it a lot in the in the Bay Area rap. You know, people talking about Stockton a lot. So, yeah, it's grown a lot. Yeah, Stockton
0: Uh has always had a great music scene. Uh, Obviously, when younger '90s in the hip hop, but definitely in the late '60s, early '70s with soul and R and B. Several groups came out of Stockton. One Ninth Creation uh, was sampled. Uh, very extensively in early hip hop, but being a close proximity to the Bay Area and having that uh, tie to Los Angeles, grew a mu- music culture here. We uh, had some great AM radio stations back in the day. 1420 AM pushed a lot of music out. Uh, like you, I was a hip hop head, yeah. and I DJed in college. But I also uh, I had to work to a hip hop and R&B format. And I had to start a jazz. And then what? I worked my way up, but yeah. So yeah. When DJ I was at, jazz. Uh, not, no kidding. When I was at Fresno wow, State at okay. 90, KFSR 90.7. And I had been working with some DJs and they wanted to put me on, but they didn't have a hip hop or R&B spot and they go, well, there's jazz. Do you know anything about jazz? And I did I, uh, in high school, I was in the jazz band and concert band, uh, tenor saxophonist. So I knew a lot of artists. I knew the music. And I DJed jazz at a six AM radio show on Saturday and Sunday mornings at times for the better part of three or four months before I got put on the evening shows uh, with hip hop and R and
1: Wow. That's, that's a journey right there.
0: Yeah. You know, it, it was, it was actually <laughs> cool because the a lot of the older alumni at Fresno listened to the campus radio station when they did yard work. So they would just call okay, in man. and want to chit chat or, Hey, can you put this on for me? And, uh, the radio station at KFSR had just, A big long hallway full of old jazz vinyl. So I would just then I throw a record on, I go back and just dig and pull another one out. So it it was very fun. It was uh, a great opportunity, um, and I really enjoyed it. And I continue to enjoy and and work with music uh, in the off time, kind of cathartic, kind of uh, uh, for officer wellness and to get my mind off of stuff. So.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, you you got to do that. You got to have something to, to for your mind to go to when you're not working, because you yes. can't be thinking about that with stress. We'll talk about that. You know, mm-hmm. our jobs and all that. Uh, speaking of which, uh, you you, you kind of said that you know you were a DJ. You were, you worked at a mm-hmm. radio station and you've been with Stockton your, your whole career. What kind of drew mm-hmm. you to law enforcement? Had you? I mean, you were working in music, and then what what, what was that impetus there? Well,
0: I had a um, one of my uncles was uh, part of the Summit County Sheriff's Department or Sheriff's Office here. He was a gang detective, a gang uh, gang sergeant, homicide sergeant, and he would always come and tell us these stories about uh, the work that he did. He told myself and my cousin, and it wasn't really the work that drew me to it. It was the amount of fun that he had with his best friend and this, with his coworkers and this this team that they had, and uh-huh. you know the joke, the 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 camaraderie and the the good work they did, but just the amount of practical jokes they played on each other and how these guys would always stick with each other and how, uh, we'd go to, you know, we'd go up here to Lake Comanche and his partners would be with us. Or, you know, if they were working a homicide case and we were playing football, they would find a way to take a, a meal break, come watch five minutes of a game and how he involved all his friends in his personal life. And he involved us with that. And, and again, the stories, you know, you're, when you're young, you hear this excitement of, of, Trying to chase down people who uh, committed violent crimes, uh, who did someone wrong, trying to bring justice and trying to bring truth to a case. And he was real big on that. So when I was about 16, I realized, you know, this might be a good job for me. Uh, I've been playing football in most of my, my adolescence, and I was always offensive offense alignment, so I was used to protecting people. And I thought, you know, this is something that I can do. And it seems uh, that if I would go and get an education, I could probably have a good career in it. So I uh, went to Fresno State. Uh, and four years later graduated, got my degree in criminology with the law enforcement emphasis. as I left, uh I was at that that crossroads where okay, do I want to go in a career in municipal law enforcement? Do I want to stay in and get a master's and try and get a federal assignment? Or do I want to work at a radio station? And, <laughs> and, and 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 do that because yeah. uh there were several people that I DJed with their Fresno State that went on to work at big stations uh including one that uh she currently works at cameo right now in san francisco so these are all people that i worked around that i felt hey there's, there's this opportunity for me but i just felt the calling to law enforcement a little more because it, it felt just right and then also i was engaged and i needed some more stability than the dj life had and definitely uh from what i was seeing coming out of like federal law enforcement i know I found a lot of those positions they moved every four years yep you know you didn't know if we were gonna go and i was i i was really intent and still am on starting and ending my career with the same wife i'm figuring she she <laughs> met me when i was 18 and she saw something <laughs> in me and she's still with me uh shout out to my wife hey babe love you uh yeah yeah
1: All it's right.
0: just you know we, we've been my wife and i've been together since uh since 94. so she and was with a me long, long. as college student. Oh yeah. She's a, she's a great woman with a beautiful heart. And, uh, she's been so supportive of my career. And I think, you know, had it been Adidas, she would have supported me in that too. But this is where I felt the calling was, uh, this is, you know, this is a career. This is a vocation for me. This is something that I take very serious and that I give my all to.
1: Yeah. You mentioned a few things there. I I, want to mention that, um, You talked about you wanted to end your career with the same wife. Uh, one thing that uh, a, a lot of cops don't end up doing, you got you know, you the cops with the second wife and the third wife, and you know, they got to stay on mm-hmm. longer because they, they got to pay off the second wife and the third wife from mm-hmm. the retirement and all that. So you know, props to you for sticking with, but, the, uh, with the same one there.
0: Well, I think some of that comes from my mentor, my, my uncle and his best friend, that they had these strong women in their lives these women that supported them in these careers, you know, when when they were working homicides and gangs and they were gone for days at a time doing these investigations, the amount of support and trust that that their wives gave them was amazing. I saw that in my wife and I wanted to to respect that as well. Uh, You know, it it goes to, and I understand people have decisions in their life and people go through divorces, uh, but I think as we've gotten on in law enforcement, especially in the last 10 years, when we discuss officer wellness, Especially away from work, uh, how what we do here can have a negative impact on your personal life, and uh, I've known people here who have had marriages end sourly. I said, you know, had I taken care of myself mentally, physically, and spiritually, I would not have lost that spouse. Yeah, and then there's some absolutely. people you who know, it was probably better that they did.
1: Yeah, yeah, that that part too. That part too. And another thing you mentioned was uh, the camaraderie. The camaraderie you saw that your uncle had with his partners, and I'm sure you got a lot of that. Uh, uh, that's one thing in law enforcement, you know, the camaraderie that you have with, with your partners is a lot like team sports as well. And uh, a lot of people miss that once they they get out of law enforcement, you know, they retire or what have you, um, they miss that. And yeah, it, it, it's something that uh, you know, a lot of other careers don't have.
0: Yeah, you know, I again, I, I grew up playing football. I grew up in, uh, in, in marching and concert and jazz band. So I was always in kind of a team environment, had a core group of friends in college, and here I've had different colleagues that I have, uh, have worked with off and on, that you know we were in each other's lives personally. And it's a great thing to see that. And I hope that once I retire that's there, much like I see uh, the retires we have that seem to do well, or the ones that maintain that camaraderie. You know that Starbucks every Monday morning for roll call still. You know, I got some of them that work here uh mm-hmm. you know as background investigators as a nuitants and you know you can see the camaraderie there and they they they're there for each other. And I think as much as we need to take care of ourselves, as we go on we need to take care of our, our brothers and sisters. Yeah on our teams.
1: Absolutely. And one last thing I wanted to bring up that you that you mentioned was uh sense of humor. The, the cop sense of humor that you, that you learned about at an early age. We do have a, a different breed of, of, of humor that sometimes some people don't really understand. But uh, sometimes we, we use that to cope with everything that we see on the job.
0: Yes, I, I definitely know and feel that that laughter is cathartic. Some people say that uh, police officers and law enforcement uh, uh, professionals that we have a dark humor. Yeah. Uh, very, very early in my career, um, I made friendship with my brother-in-law's father, who's now a retired, sir, retired ER surgeon. And uh, some of the best cathartic conversations that I think I ever had were at the end of Thanksgiving table with this guy because we had both seen things that no one else in the family had seen. And we, were talk, we would talk about them not in a way to try and offend anybody, but t- a way to get it off our chest. To someone else who understood what we are talking about, he, he talked. He talked about being, you know, a surgeon in the ER in the 60s and 70s, and I talked about working the streets here and, and things I saw with violent crime and working in gangs and child, you know, just child abuse type calls and uh, you know just on a basic call for service. So having that camaraderie with him helped me learn that you know it just doesn't have to be someone who wears a badge that you can share with, that you can open up to. There are the people out there that you know family and friends, and those friends who become family that can help you get through this. That way you don't get to the end and it's all bottled up. And then you let 30 years worth of trauma just pour out at once.
1: Yep, Got let a little
0: bit out of it all the time.
1: Absolutely. That part right there. So uh, Sager, Sager, what, mm-hmm. what, what uh, background is, is that name there? So the name
0: Sager is actually a Filipino name. My dad's father was from the Northern Philippines. He immigrated here in um, the forties. Uh, was part of the first Filipino Inf- infantry. Went back and fought in the Pacific Theater. Uh, my dad's mother's family is from Guanajuato, Mexico, and then my mom's side is uh, from Texas and parts of Sinaloa, Mexico. So it's a Spanish surname, but it's specific to the Philippines.
1: Okay, you speak any second languages? No,
0: <laughs> I, speak, <laughs> I speak just enough Spanish <laughs> to uh, to get through, you know, a hideous call or to understand when someone's gonna punch me in my mouth or to figure out right. where the good food is. Uh, you know, it was, it was like a lot of people our generation, my parents, my dad speaks Spanish fluently, my mom understands it very well because speaking when she absolutely needs to. But a lot of people my generation, our parents didn't push the importance of a second language on us because it was a lot of it was assimilation and learning uh, yeah. English as well as you could because them and their parents had been, uh, had, had, their um, their second language or their accents used against them right. so uh, my parents were very very important that i do well in school that uh my education is strong again my parents don't have accents but my grandparents did my great-grandmother did uh but it was important that hey you know you have to do whatever you can to not give people a reason not to give you an opportunity
1: yeah yeah and you are now a captain over yes, there in Stockton PD. What, what, what uh, are you responsible for now as, as a captain over there?
0: So currently I'm over the administrative services division. I have uh, personnel and training, uh, at, under my command, uh, personnel obviously is, uh, the hiring, the recruiting, uh, getting people into academies, out of academies through FTO programs uh training so that's all of our uh, perishable skills training our continued professional growth training that post requires anything through the department
1: uh,
0: i also have uh, all of our fleet management so the department's vehicles are going me i work close with the the city fleet i just recently got our neighborhood services under my command so that's uh, code enforcement uh, abatement uh, rental property type uh, ordinances and i have our animal shelter
1: Okay. So, Jack of uh, all trades
0: I, here. Huh? Yeah. You know, we, have, we have a <laughs> lot of uh, things that are either very supportive of the mission or that you would not only look at and say that's, that's a normal police function. You know, not many municipalities have code enforcement and an animal shelter. So not just animal control where you go out and catch stray dogs and cats. We actually have a full animal shelter with, with yeah. uh, we contract out with veterinary medicine. Not a lot of cities have that. Counties have that. But not a lot of cities are
1: out up. Yeah, my agency we we have the animal shelter under under our jurisdiction as well. Mm-hmm. We used to have code enforcement, but then they moved over to the city side. I guess they wanted to, uh, you know, have a little control over that themselves. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, yeah, we've we we've yeah, a lot of times lot of that's
0: over. Yes, yeah, a lot of times that code enforcement like in building permits or the uh, yeah. city administrator side. But we have it here. We we've had them here for a number of years. I I, I really appreciate working with a lot of hardworking people. Uh, in our code enforcement and our animal shelter that do a lot of hard
1: work. Yeah. You know, I think in my city, I think code enforcement moved over to fire. I'm not not sure if they're under fires, purview, or just city in general. I I had to look at that. But yeah, yeah, that's interesting. How many other captains are there? Is there another captain as well? No, so there's
0: five uh, captains. So I'm over administrative services. There's field operations, which is basically patrol, special operations, which is – traffic and then your long term uh, like type issues, homel- homelessness, dealing with, uh, uh, issued properties have been, uh, historic issues, our investigations division, and then our tech services division, which is, uh, the majority of the civilian staff. So records, dispatch, crime analysis, property, the evidence tax. And I was over that division for about four and a half years before I came
1: here. Okay. All right. How, how long have you been a captain? I've been
0: a captain just over seven years. So I've right. been quite a minute. I've, I've been able to be over four of the five divisions.
1: You guys, you guys rotate assignments every year or two or something like that? Or
0: we rotate as needed as people promote in and out. And then it's, uh, who would be a good fit for the assignment? What, what's coming up, who has experience in what areas? Um, okay. I was very fortunate to go to tech services, uh, a couple months after I promoted a captain. I was in special operations, then I went to tech services and got to do uh, some good upgrades, like a CAD upgrade. We brought on body cams, really worked hard on our our data analytics and our forecast, uh, our violent crime forecasting. So I got to do a lot while I was over there, and I think some of that had to do with I had um, technology that made sense to me. And I was given a great opportunity by my deputy chief at that time to come over and do it.
1: There you go. There you go. So you mentioned that you are over recruiting and personnel and things of that nature, and, and earlier we talked about twenty twenty being being <laughs> a major major uh, pain in our thorn uh, in our size there, yeah, uh, because of a, a number of reasons, and as a result of that, recruiting has gone down, you know, personnel has gone down in, across the nation. The agencies have you guys mm-hmm. seen uh, a decrease in personnel as well, uh, based on you know a number of factors, mainly being twenty twenty.
0: You know, um, we've seen a decrease in applicants. We've seen a decrease in qualified applicants making eligibility lists. Uh, we have seen, I wouldn't say, our, our, our separations have been pretty steady. Uh, we, we keep, a, you know, between a 10 to 15 percent attrition rate just kind of naturally. Mm-hmm. But um uh, not sure if it's specific to everything that happened in 2020, 2021 but like a lot of agencies across America, we are seeing a decrease in people applying for the job.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So what's the, what's the solution to that? Do you think?
0: I think the solution is multi-pronged. If I had the, the correct solution, I'd probably be a billionaire, but I believe, <laughs> <Right? it's> like, <laughs> I <laughs> right? believe, yeah, I, I you know I'd, I'd write a book and you know, I get paid, but I think it has to do with, what we're already doing, which is your high-level recruiting and you know putting out your ads and billboards, but it's also things like this: humanizing police officers. You know, like I said earlier, my 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 mentor was a person I knew personally. He personalized law enforcement for me. It just wasn't a guy in a uniform. He, he he showed me that you can be you and be in law enforcement. Right. And I think we have to get our recruiting has to almost go on that person-to-person level. So. When you find somebody who is interested, making that personal connection and and helping them get through the way. Our recruiting team, we have virtual recruiting sessions. When people call in or anybody, you know, you're in our community. Go, hey, I I know this kid. He wants to be a police officer. Give me his number. We'll call him, and we'll keep. We'll call him. Hey, this is how you apply. This is how we could help you. Hey, these these are some of the pitfalls in in the background process. You know, this is um, this is what you need to do to. You know, hey, come work out with us. We'll get to help you get over the wall. Hey, you know, if you're having trouble right. taking the written test, here are the, here are the type of books you can study. And I think we do that. And I think the part that we really need to get into is everybody discusses, you know, community policing as a philosophy. Well, there's a part of that that, that community policing has that we haven't tapped into is that community recruiting. We need people from the community, especially with the push from any law enforcement agency, the municipality, saying, hey, we want people from our community to work on our police force." Okay, yes. then bring them to us. You know, I, you know my, my uncle brought me on. I didn't come to the same agency, but he helped show me the way. Anytime I meet a young, uh, young man or young woman that wants to be in law enforcement, I try and show him the way. But also, I'm constantly telling people, well, you know, do you know anybody? Well, and they say, well, I don't know anybody who wants to be a police officer. Yeah, but you know any good people. Right. You know any people that want to help. You, you know, do you know, any, you, know any, you, know any, you know any people that want something bigger in life? Because if you look at it this more than just a job and even more than a career, like I said earlier, this is this is kind of like a vocation. This is a calling. You you have to have it right here
1: mm-hmm. to
0: do it, because if you don't have it here, you might do it. You might be a police officer, but then you might leave or you might work 30 years and never try to make a difference. Right. But those that those that have it here, they, there's something different about them. They put more into it. They put their hearts and souls in it. And I know several officers that I've worked with over the years that weren't even from Stockton that made this place their home, even if it was only for 40, 50 hours a week. And they cared about the people in the community. They cared about the brothers and sisters on the team. And they were some of our best recruiters because they were such positive people that people, I want, I want to be like that. Show, yeah. I want to do what you do. Show me how. And I think that's where we're at is if we're going to make our departments look like our community, then our community has to help us bring People on bring us the people who want to make a difference, and we could have that conversation. Okay, well, how do we get there? I understand that you know, especially here in California, we are uh, really ahead of the game on how we hire the background process, the post mandates, uh, the legislation on uh, requiring certain levels of backgrounds, psychological exams, uh, the recent legislation on uh, finding people free of bias. I mean, we're we're further across than a lot of uh, states here in the United States. And our communities have to understand that, too, is, hey, bring us, we want to bring people, but understand we also have these standards that we cannot change. These are standards that are put there for us. It's right. not like we can go, Well, oh, hey, this this, this, guy, this guy's good. There's some lady, uh, we're going to give her a pass. No, the, there are standards that we have to hold, and there's a reason why we want to keep this as professional as possible with any profession you have, you have standards, you have oversight, you have uh, constant certification, you have constant training. So I, I'm hoping that in the next five to 10 years, uh, those relationships that we've been building here at Soccer police department, other agencies in the building of the communities, helps to bolster recruiting.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned uh, trying to recruit officers from the community. What does your department look like? What, what does the, the, the city of Stockton look like? Do they kind of mirror each other? Does, does your department mirror the community?
0: So one of our strategic goals is to hire a diverse workforce that helps mirror the community. Uh, like many other departments, we are actively not only doing our basic recruiting, but we go to community events that are, uh, that the community throws. We go to job fairs. We go to uh, family days. We go out there and we show our recruiting team: "Hey, this is this. We have jobs. We have careers. We have uh, here the calling for you." And we're working towards that. We're we're not at the point where we completely mirror community, but we're working on it. We recognize that, and we're not going to stop. We're going to keep going.
1: And what and what about females?
0: Uh, We have. Our, our, our females, um, percentage does not match our community, much like most other law enforcement agencies. Right.
1: Um, it, it's a male dominated profession for sure. It, it, it has,
0: it has been, I have, um, currently right now, two of my personnel staff are, are, are women who uh, are two of my main recruiters. And I, I believe it's just going out there and showing, Hey, this is, this is a viable career. This is something that right. you can do and um you know i i talk to people from myself as hey, you can do this career and you can still be a parent you can still be a father and be involved and my recruiting team they use those personal stories that hey i am a mother hey i am a sister hey i i'm a single parent or hey i take care of my i take care of my uh my elderly family member and part of that is humanizing the position yes we're not we're not robots we don't all have high and tights. We're not all six foot one and one hundred and ten pounds. I'm definitely not, <laughs> but I'm not. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't
1: have guessed I, that, Captain. I wouldn't guess <laughs> that. Captain.
0: I'm not six one. I'm, I'm five ten. I'm I'm five ten first thing in the morning. But I know who I am, and I love that, and I'm okay with who I am, and I accept that. So someone else could look and say, you know what? I could be that. I don't I don't look like what would the stereotypical Webster's Dictionary police officer, but I want to make a difference. I want to help bring people justice that have been victimized. I want to help find the truth. Or, hey, you know what? I just want to go and help people on the worst day of their life. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So what other uh, assignments have you had during your career?
0: Oh, wow. So got hired in 97, um, hit the field training program, got out and was uh, asked to go work a director patrol unit out in uh, Southeast Stockton. And I worked out there for two years and basic duties is dealing with uh, street level narcotics, gangs, crime and blight, working with community groups to help solve the, solve issues. A real, a real uh, basic community policing model. And then I went from there to being an assignment where I was actually assigned to the housing authority of San Joaquin through the city of Stockton. Working in the housing development uh, with a partner and worked there for a couple more years. I worked uh, on our narcotics unit for about four and a half years. Uh, I specialized in asset seizure and forfeiture and towards the end of that in heroin investigations. Then went to a HIDA team, promoted to sergeant, spent about four years on patrol. Uh, Let's let's back up real quick. What uh, for,
1: for? for our viewers and listeners, what is HIDA? HIDA is a high-impact
0: drug trafficking area. So it's like a federal task force of narcotics officers. I was assigned uh, out of Modesto, California, with uh, Stan DEA, with, uh, with Modesto PD, Stanislaus County Sheriff's Office, IRS. There's a guy from the U.S. Air Force was on the team. Um, it was a, just kind of, you know, it was, it was a task force of different people, and we looked at high narcotics targets so uh Mm -hmm. the importing more of the people that were bringing in higher weight and i got to work on some very good cases with them
1: yep how long did you do that
0: i did that for about six months and then i promoted out to sergeant so uh i left a very good assignment to get some stripes (laughs) and uh (laughs) you know immediately went back to nights and uh worked for about four years as a sergeant on patrol uh promoted to lieutenant and all the tenants go back to the watch commander's office. So I was in the watch commander's office for about six months. I was fortunate that um, I was transferred to our special operations, strategic operations area. And I had the south half of Stockton. So dealing with, um, back in 2012, uh, the beginning of the homelessness issue, dealing with black properties, uh, I helped to um, establish the Chief's Community Advisory Board, uh re re-institute a lot of our neighborhood watch and business watch here in stockton and i did that for a couple of years and then i promoted to captain and i had i stood in special operations for a couple months then i went to tech services like i said you know mm-hmm. had a lot of work in computer our cad upgrade computer aided dispatch and rms records management system uh, bringing our forecast our violent crime forecast policing along Trying to get a lot of people hired uh, pretty much anything that either connected to the Internet plug in the wall. I dealt with it. So it was some great experience on the administrative side, working with a lot of our uh, not only our non sworn, but uh, other city departments like I, uh, it, HR, uh, community, uh, community development, where I had the crime analytical team, the crime analysis team, and we helped out a couple of different departments with their data needs. And then uh, moved to investigations for about six months, and then I was called upon to come here to admin services, and I've been here since the summer of nineteen.
1: All right. You mentioned a little bit ago about the uh, the homeless issue. Um, I, I know it's been exploding, at least down here in, in Southern California. What's what's the uh, what's the problem look like up there in Northern Cal?
0: You know, uh, I can speak to here in Stockton. We we do have uh, an increase in homelessness. We have a number of community groups and the police department that work together to address um, the blight that comes with it, the, the 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 guards that comes around it, some of the health issues. Uh, we work with specifically, like with, with the animal shelter, we work with a nonprofit that one of their duties outside of working with us is working with the homeless population and provide, helping provide services for the animals that the homeless own, helping uh, get medical attention to them. and for those people who can't take care of their pets anymore, helping find homes for them as well. But, um, you know, it, it, this is the, the homelessness um, that we see. I'm sure you're seeing it down there. We see it up here. And uh, I, I really hope that as time goes on, we find a way to get people sheltered, uh, to find services and help people realize they need services when they need them, uh, help get people fed, because there's a part of part of us that even though we're you know we we have laws enforced still human being you know I I I've been in I haven't been affected personally like I don't I've never been homeless but I have family members that are homeless for various reasons and no amount of us talking to them has changed that yeah so it it's it's personal to me but also understand there there's a personal responsibility on on the other side that hey you have to accept the help when it's there you have to make some personal decisions
1: yeah. And another part of that equation is, is mental health as well. Um, yes.
0: How, how are you
1: guys dealing with the mental health crisis up there as well? Do you have mental health professionals that actually work with you in your department or assigned to you that, uh, yeah, I know that's the, the big thing now, we're uh, assigning uh, social workers to calls, you know, for the uh, defund or reallocating funding of police departments. Have you guys experienced any of that lately?
0: So uh, a lot of the behavioral health services here are run by San King County, uh, not necessarily the city of Stockton. Here at the police department, right. through our special operations uh, division, we do work in tandem with them, especially when we do um, outreach uh, and homeless encampment cleanups. But on a personal level, uh, <laughs> there's a, a member uh, that works with mental health uh, and with the homeless who's a personal friend of mine, we're both alumni of the same high school. He's uh, considerably older than me, and I, I make sure I tell him that. But uh, we yeah, I'm, sometimes I'm it's sure just, sure yeah. he appreciates that. Yeah, team. he appreciates that. Yeah, but on a, you know on those micro levels, when even as a captain, of admin services, if he calls and needs some help. I'm going. I'm getting in the car and yeah. going. If I need some help, he's going to come and help. Or if someone calls me and says, "Hey, I don't, I don't know who to call. Hey, call this guy. Tell him, tell him I sent you because he's going to help you out." So again, yeah. we had any like any problem. There's these these macro answers but on a micro level the people got to get out there and, on a personal level just do it so yeah, um yeah I, I do believe that you know, a, a number of the calls for service that law enforcement in general goes to has its roots in uh in mental health issues i do believe that we have to find a way to incorporate uh those clinicians and those practitioners either in a preventative model or in a responsive model with us uh, Because if we don't, we're going to keep seeing more of the same where across America you've seen uh, law enforcement respond and do what law enforcement does to people who are in a mental health crisis.
1: Right, right. And, you know, training, training, training is is another way that we can... You know, we can uh, kind of get through this as well. Um, but these calls, you know, we got to respond to them first before these mental health professionals. We got to make sure they are seen safe. And sometimes, like you just said, uh, law enforcement does what we have to do to make sure that, you know, we're safe and anyone and, and the person that we're getting called on is safe. So um, and, a lot of these and you're right. factors here.
0: With the training, helping officers identify when someone's in crisis, helping officers, especially Deescalate and deescalate and deescalate as much de-escalate. as possible. And maybe you know, uh, we we've been our careers are about the same length. We're we're telling people more now than ever is slow down.
1: Right. Slow
0: the call down. We got time. Talk, just talk. And there might be there might be a time where you have to you have to use force. But did we do we do everything else we can within reason? Do we try and de-escalate? You try and talk to them. Did did you hey this guy's just stand there, just just step away from him. don't force the issue. Right. Just see what's going right. on. See again, it might be a person who's having a very bad day that has had just too much. And I think when we discuss that, we understand no all of us have bad days too. There's days where, you know, you're, you know, you're upset so much. You're just screaming at the windshield. I don't know. Add on top of that, you know, let's say you lost your job. You can't pay your rent. And, you know, your dog just got hit by a car. You're probably having a really bad day. Probably. So, you know, just, just show that empathy as much as you can. But if you have to go to the point where you have to arrest somebody, then you have to do it.
1: Yeah. Yep. And a lot of us have, some of us have uh, some support, meaning our, our families. Uh see behind you there, you you've got some family there. What what's your family situation there? You got uh I know you, you got a wife, lovely wife that you spoke about yeah. earlier. Any anybody else in the in the household?
0: Yeah, so my wife and I have been together like I said since nine ninety four, been married since ninety-nine. I have two teenage boys, one's eighteen, he's in a senior year of high school. I have a six-year-old sophomore. Uh, I have two uh, chorky uh, rescue dogs. So for those who don't know what a chorky is. But Chorky is a mixed breed dog of part Chihuahua, part Yorkie. So they're they're my five and six pounds of fury. I love them to death. It's nothing <laughs> like seeing this this somewhat large man walk down the street with a six pound dog just looking super tough. But but that's <laughs> us in our house. My my parents still live here in Stockton. Um, my sister lives on the other side of the uh, of the country. I have family here, family in the South Valley, you know, Fresno, Tulare, Visalia area. Um, but mostly, it's just me and my wife and my kids.
1: Okay. Any of them want to follow in Dad's footsteps and, and be a cop? No. No. <laughs> no and it, it, it's not
0: me. It's not the not. It's not me not recruiting them or um, tell them not to do it. I I believe my sons can do whatever they want. If they want to do this. I'd be more than supportive. My older son wants to go into uh, computer science, uh, computer software engineering, and my younger son wants to be a science teacher. Okay.
1: So, all right. Yeah. Both both yeah. Uh, noble, worthy professions. Yeah. My, my
0: wife is a, is an educator. She teaches kindergarten. So. Um, oh wow. I think they have seen more much of that. Props to her. Yeah. She. But no.
1: She talking about she, a mental she health loves crisis there.
0: <laughs> she loves <laughs> me small, and, and she she loves the fact that every year she gets a new batch of young kids. Uh, you know, we we talk about mental health stability. You know, seeing what had happened during the last two years with online learning and how um, it impacted my sons and their friends, how it impacted uh, some of the kids that she's taught, just from what I can see. Uh, we have to understand that these might be issues we might be dealing with for years. Uh, the social yeah. socialization of, of young children who didn't get preschool and kindergarten, all of a sudden they're in first grade. Or let's say a kid who right. the last time they were in school was sixth grade and now they're ninth graders. Or that 10th yeah. grader. Yeah. Who now is a freshman in college and have that socialization so how is that going to impact us on law enforcement when we have to deal with them or how's that going to impact us right. when they're trying to be, become employees and get into the career so yes you know, we, we in law enforcement we can't live in this silo we have to see the world around us we uh, we have to understand how, to, how it impacts us uh, i i teach a class at uh, sac state I, i'm an adjunct lecturer there And I always appreciate having non-criminology majors in my class because they bring a perspective that most of the crim majors don't have. And I tell my students, hey, these are people you need to listen to because when you get into law enforcement, these are the people that are going to be working at HR and IT and are going to be in the community at the nonprofits Uh and the the NGOs. These are people you're going to work with. We can't, we're not here to solve the problem by ourselves. We solve it all together. So right. when we, we understand what's going on in the, with the community around us, it helps us understand more about us. It helps us understand how we can get to the finish line of providing, you know, a safe and secure community for the people we work with.
1: All right. All right. So with uh, 24 years on, how, how, much, how much longer are you doing?
0: I have about four years left, uh, not okay. because I don't want to work anymore. For those across America, I, I have classic PERS. So I'm three at 50. So when Mm I I turn 50, I'll pretty much max out. Um, I don't think my, I don't intend my career to end there. I'll always be looking for other opportunities in retirement. And if nothing else, I feel that law enforcement has given me so much as a career, it's helped me support my family. It's helped me, uh, work hard and follow passions, provided a great life. for My wife and kids, it's, it's given my parents a great sense of pride of what I do that I'm going to continue to give back, so whether that's teaching at the academy, uh, whether it's teaching at uh, the, the university at the JC level, I plan on doing that, and I plan on my retirement, volunteering a lot, either helping, uh, like, Science Olympiads at elementary schools or coaching high school football for free. Uh, I got to give back. All right. I got to give back to the places who helped make me.
1: Got to give back. All mm-hmm. right. All right. Unfortunately,
0: I just don't have a lot of time now. I, I know a lot of people give time i give my time to my family so anything my sons are involved in my wife involved in you know i i, I get volunteered in the stuff i've coached in sports and things like that uh, or just being you know involved in my family's life i think that's important for right now and as my kids grow up and they grow out and they leave i'll have more time and i know in my retirement i'm have plenty of time and i believe that uh, coaching and helping the schools would be a great place
1: all right. Four, four more years. Four more years. It, it, it'll be here before you know it. That's, that's I had a the person tell me planet. that. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a I had a, well, a 24 age, just yeah. snuck up on you, right?
0: Yeah, it did. You know, it just <laughs> yeah. it seriously feels like I was just, you know, wearing jerseys and jeans and Jordans and narcotics a couple years ago. And, you know, I, I left narcotics in 2007. Yeah, uh, it, it's, it's been it's yeah. been a minute. It's been 14 years. And the last couple of years have flown by and I'm sure the next couple of fly by. And I plan on working every last day of it. I plan on doing as much as I can for my department in this community until it's time for me to leave. And then uh, I'll leave on empty.
1: On empty. On empty. And to kick you out, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, to kick. Yeah. I'll I'll leave, but <laughs> I'ma do I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna work this job.
1: There you go. There you go. Right until the till the wheels fall off. Yep that's yeah yep, that's what they say so what's uh what's the most rewarding part of your job now as a captain
0: the most rewarding part of my job right now is when i see oh i have something for every session so when i see someone we hired make their training program and make their probation you know that 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 final 18 months when they make their they've made their p1 now they're a non probation officer it, It's great, and I'm starting to get a couple of those because of the when I first came over two years ago. Those that first group of people are starting to make it. Um, When I see the training we do, it helps our officers be safe. Um, When our neighborhood services section, when they help make the communities look good and make communities feel good about themselves, and of course with my animal shelter, with animal shelter here in Stockton. I'm sorry when I say mine, I'm not trying to say it's just mine, but I have a lot of ownership over my team over there and you know the the small team the hard work they do but every time we hear about a positive outcome you know a dog being adopted or a dog being fostered or rescued or a doctor being a dog or cat being returned to their owner that's an awesome feeling because you know like i said earlier my chorkies are rescued i I rescued him from our shelter um about six years ago and there's something about that relationship between between person and animal that you know, for especially for the last couple of years has been very rewarding, very um, beneficial uh, on an emotional level and on a wellness level. So different parts of the job, different satisfaction. Each of them uh, have their own level and it's a great place in my heart. But yeah, mm-hmm. definitely seeing people get hired, seeing the looks on their family's faces, uh, seeing them graduate the academies, seeing them you know work the streets and you know, learn from mistakes and then they make their time. It's an amazing thing. And again, positive outcomes with, with, with the animals.
1: All right. Yes. Yes, indeed. But on the flip side, what's, a, what's a more, one of the more challenging parts of your job as captain?
0: I think just in general, being in law enforcement, not being able to help in all situations and having to tell somebody, this is all I can do right now. That has to be one of the the biggest challenges um, out there. You know, it, it's it's been hard over my career to say, you know, what I, I know this is the issue, and you called us to help you. This is all I can do with with what I have and with what you gave me. If the situation changes, we'll do. We we can maybe do more. Um, it it's hard to hear people say, you know, we called you and you took x amount of minutes to get here, and not understanding that we had a number of other very critical instances going on that we just cannot get there for your call as quick as you would've wanted us to.
1: Um,
0: it, for me, it's, you know, I got into this job to help people, to help my community and there's times where you do the, you do this as best you can and you feel like it's still not enough.
1: Yep. But all you can do is your best. And it sounds like you're doing it up there in, in Stockton. I appreciate everything that you're doing up there. And, uh, you know, once, once you retire, it sounds like you, you already got your, your plans laid out to do some coaching, do some teaching, and and sounds like you're doing a lot of mentoring. Let, let me ask you that real quick. Uh, who, who's mentored you along the way as far as your career has gone?
0: Uh, well, obviously my uncle, you know, before, uh, before I got hired and, and before he passed away, he passed away when I was in narcotics. Uh, I've had a couple mentors here on the job. A um, good friend of mine, Scott Metters. He's uh he's a retired re- retired captain. I worked with him, worked for him for years either in different assignments and we were both captains at the same time. a uh, couple of our deputy chiefs over the years that really took uh took me aside and said, Hey, this is uh this is what you're doing. You no, know, have you thought about going and getting your masters? Have you thought about going and you know. Uh, what do you think about your future? What are you thinking about your future here at the department? And honestly, what are, what are you thinking about after when you leave here? Because you know, 50 is young now. Yeah. I remember when I first got hired, them dudes that were 50, 55, like, ooh, there was they looked like they had a lot of miles on them. Oh yeah. Uh, and, uh, that, that's that dark human we talk about. Some of these some of these, you know, people have some they they look they look like they had lived a lot of life. And like life had been hard on them. And I, I'm not sure if you remember, but there was this uh, when in the early 90s. There was a study that most officers that retired at 55 only lived five more years to collect perks.
1: Right. I'm like, I'm right. beating
0: that. I'm not I'm, yep. I'm, heck. no, nah, that's, that's why I jog and lift. So I, I'm, I'm I'm pushing past that, but taking care of ourselves. So having mentors that said, you know what, not only what are you doing here, what are you doing at home? And then you know, not not just people that were uh, over me by rank, but people my same rank and people who were who I had supervised that on a personal level said, "Hey, you know, when I was times when I was just not doing well, hey man, you you need to take care of yourself. Hey, you need someone to talk to. You know, understand that you know none of us get through this together. So yep. having that, I mean, the there are specific people like I said." Uh, friend Scott Metters, my good friend uh, Trevor Womack, who was a a deputy chief here. He's now the chief up in Salem, Oregon. Uh, Those two very specifically uh, really had um, a hand throughout my career just kind of just talking to me and and guiding me, hey, this is the kind of things you want to do, these steps you want to take, even kind of took those text messages and calls when we were off duty, hey, I need some help with this. Right, right.
1: And of course, you've been able to do the same for people behind you as well. Correct.
0: You know, I try to, and I, I try to do it, not as a, Hey, I'm mentoring you because I want you to be um, a captain or I want you to be this certain rank. I want people to be successful in their career. So definitely anybody I've worked with, I've tried to set them up. If I'm the supervisor, Hey, how can I help you be better at to do, but how can I help you be a better person? And that might be, Hey, you know what? I'm your, I'm your boss. Hey man, you need to take some time off. That might be monday morning let me let's talk about let's talk about what's going on at home you do need someone to talk to you want to talk or do you need peer support but also hey you know asking what do you want to do or let me help you get the training for that uh do you want to do a certain assignment hey let me help you let me help you learn how to do the staff work for that and you know telling people hey there there is more in this career than just what you're doing right now and identifying hey you can do this you 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 can you can be you can be a sergeant lieutenant cap you can do whatever you want here and you can go work these essays and go and do them well do it put your all into it but then always kind of dovetail it with but don't forget home don't forget home work work this job do you and be the best you That also means be the best you at home be the best spouse be the best parent that you can be be the best um family member you can be. be, the best neighbor you can be because that'll make you better in what you do here.
1: That part right there. That part right there. All right, Captain, I, I appreciate you coming on and, and having some fun with this uh, with yeah. this podcast here, but the fun's not done yet. We got a oh, little no. game. Yes, we. I, I play a little trivia with my guests. So before I go, I'm going to play this here with you. Let me get this set up here for you. This game is called uh, Black or Blue. 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 All right, so this game here is called Black or Blue. Your category today, Captain, is Monday Morning Quarterback. Since you're a big football guy, this should be easy for you. NFL team colors. I'm going to just give you a team and you tell me is one of their major colors black or is one of their major colors blue? Black or blue? Black. That should be real easy for you. Real easy for you. I should have picked maybe something like golf or, or <laughs> soccer or something. But all right, we'll, we'll, we'll get you. You would have thrown you a <laughs> soccer. <laughs> yeah, I would have thrown you with soccer or hockey or something. Uh, you might be a big hockey I, guy, but yeah. I, <laughs> but uh, Go, NFL I'll teams. Yeah. NFL teams is the category. So here's your first. Here's your first team. Here, the Buffalo Bills. Black or blue? Blue yes they are blue all right off to a resounding start there how about your next team here the pittsburgh steelers black or blue black they are black yes everybody knows that black and gold yep how about the cincinnati bengals
0: black the tiger stripes
1: yes they are tiger stripes i
0: had to think about that one
1: yeah. Oh, okay. I Almost got you. Almost got you there. Right. You knew that one. How about the Detroit Lions?
0: Oh, blue because one of my lieutenants is a huge Lions fan. He's got stuff in the office.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. How's yeah. he doing with the uh, with Jared Goff that that we shipped out of here? Yeah. In L.A. It,
0: it, it, I felt so bad for him when they almost won on Thanksgiving. I texted him, "Hey, man, they're gonna win." He goes, "Thanks for jeeking us." <laughs> they lost. Yeah it's, it's long, yeah, it's been a long. It's been a long. Long. It's been
1: a three. long, long, long yeah. decade, long two decades ever since <laughs> ever since Barry, Barry left. left. <laughs> yep. How about uh the Cowboys, Dallas Cowboys?
0: Got that
1: blue star. They do have that blue star. Yep. And uh how about uh, the Denver Broncos? Blue. Oh hey, yes, blue, yes. Got that blue See, and the orange, the orange crush. Ultra-
0: all these alternate uniforms that we're right, right messes you up.
1: Yes, yes, but their primary colors uh, yeah. are definitely this here. So, uh, how about the Atlanta Falcons?
0: All oh, the Derby Birds wear
1: black. The Derby Birds, yes, they do. Indeed. And uh, we talked about the Rams. How about the Rams? LA Rams. Oh,
0: they wear that blue.
1: They wear that blue, yes. All right, my man. How about the last one here, the New England Patriots? Blue. Yes, they are definitely blue. You went 100 percent here, so we are going to call you All I do is win, win, win to the win win. winner. <laughs> Everybody, hands go <laughs> up. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, your awesome, boys went man. up there. T- <laughs> awesome all right yes yes you did not get one wrong i think i gave you too easy of a category there being a football yeah. guy but you know hey, you
0: with know, soccer it would have been a lot of huh
1: yeah <laughs> I, right
0: that's the soccer's at one sport i just i cannot get into pretty much other sport i could watch soccer i just yeah. kind of go
1: yeah <laughs> Next, next, next. I know my in-laws, my in-laws are into soccer, but it, it is what it is. But you got through that uh, unscathed, you know, with, you know, our, our troops, we got to get our, our admin through some of these situations. Sometimes <laughs> we got to pull them. <laughs> we got to pull them yeah. through the fire here. So I, I helped you gotta out there. But uh, Yes, we got to, we got to. <laughs> All right, Captain, I appreciate everything uh, that, you, that you are going through up there in, in Stockton. Uh, before I get you out of here, any, any words for the audience, any words of wisdom before we let you go here?
0: You know, Del. I want to thank you for having me on. This is, this is a great opportunity to, to showcase the human side of law enforcement and how we're just people. I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate uh, the fact that you are taking the time out of your life to do this uh, and to provide a platform to provide this uh this service and I appreciate it. I, I I can't say say enough the appreciation for this and I I enjoy your show uh seen them all uh oh, wow. and there there it's a lot of fun yeah you had, yeah you had, you had a good friend of mine uh Jeff Lou from uh, East Palo Alto on a
1: oh yeah couple months oh, yeah. back
0: so I've uh, been watching and hey you know it's a great show I wish you the best of luck And you know,
1: keep it up, man. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate it, Captain. Everybody, that's Captain Antonio Sager. Thanks again. I appreciate you, and uh, we'll talk soon.
0: Will do. Take care, Dale.
1: All right, all right, Square Pegs. That wraps up another edition of the Black and Blue Podcast. I want to thank my guest, Stockton, California Police Captain Antonio Sager, for stopping by the show and having some fun with me. I appreciate you, sir. And all that you do. If you guys out there appreciated this episode, make sure you like, subscribe, and share the episode on whatever podcast platform you're on. I'll be back in another couple weeks with another fun and fact-filled law enforcement interview. But till then, y'all know what to do. Stay black. and blue. I'll holler at you. Deuces. There's been a major entertainment presentation.